Hi, friends. It's Vin Scully. It's time for Dr. Clapper. In sports, there's winning and losing and getting injured. That's why there's Dr. Clapper. Dr. Clapper is the former head of orthopedic surgery at Cedar sinai The Weekend Warrior Show with Dr. Clapper, presented by Cedar sinai Hey, Dr. Clapper. How are you? Saturday mornings from 7 to 9. Silence is golden when you can't think of a good answer. <laughs> yes, Doc, I love your show. Now, here he is, Dr. Robert Clapper. Welcome back, Weekend Warriors. So nice to be with you each and every Saturday, and thanks for telling your friends. Let's do some Clapper Vision. Not about the weekend warrior, but about the warrior. And the warrior in particular is the Rams. Clapper Vision. Odell Beckham Jr., described as a posterior hip pointer. What exactly is that when you feel your hip way in the back? What lives back there is better known as the sacroiliac joint. Sacrum is the part of the pelvis, this triangular-shaped bone. Ilium is if you feel the side where your pocket is, the pelvis, that's the wing of the ilium. The connection between your spine and the pelvis is the sacroiliac joint. Sacrum being the end of the spine, the ilium, your pelvis. But it's such an interesting bone because as we stand vertical, not like a horse or a cow on four legs, but on two legs, as we stand vertical, the spine attaches to the pelvis when we stand up, not as a straight rod into the pelvis, but no, the tip of the spine is shaped like a pencil that's sharpened. It's shaped like an arrowhead. It's a wedge. It's triangular so that you can fight gravity. That attachment is a joint. It's the sacroiliac joint, but it's not like a ball and socket joint like your hip or your shoulder. It's put together with ligaments that hold it strong together. And it's brutally painful if those ligaments are strained or bruised. And that's the posterior portion of the hip that patients complain about. What's so interesting to me, and another clap revision I would give you, is that stability of your spine as it lives in the pelvis. It's almost like taking a pencil, sharpening it, making it pointy, triangular tip. And if you now stab it into the ground, it will stick straight up out of the ground. Just like, just like your spine is straight up, your lumbar, your thoracic, your cervical spine. But the bottom of the spine, how it enters the pelvis is that triangular shape. And those ligaments are strong. What's really fascinating, by the way, is when women are having a baby, that baby's got to come through the birth canal. Those ligaments literally get softened to allow the pelvis to expand, to allow the baby to come out. Some of those hormones that are running through a woman about to have a baby Loosen the ligament in the front, the pubic symphysis, and loosen the two ligaments in your pelvis in the back, the sacroiliac joints, to allow expansion and mobility of the pelvis so the baby comes out of the birth canal. It's fascinating. But if you're a football player like Odell Beckham Jr., you get slammed to the ground. We learned from Fred Dreyer, when you get slammed to turf, It's not as bad, but when you get slammed to artificial turf, what lives underneath artificial turf is concrete. You get bruised. Yeah, you can do injections to numb it up, but in the end, you need that to heal because you need that ligament, that sacroiliac joint to support your spine. So when you talk about a posterior hip pointer, that's the area you're talking about, and it does very, very well with ultrasound and electrical stimulation and other modalities that a therapist can do through the skin. They literally could put a medication on the skin, then use the ultrasound to have the medication go through the skin and get deeper into that ligament area. You don't have to have a shot of cortisone or anything like that to be done. You can actually get to that 
joint because it's so superficial quite easily. It's not like doing medication through the skin to get it deep into your hip joint, but to do it over the sacroiliac joint can actually be very effective. All right, Warriors, coming up next, I'm going to tell some stories. Today's topic is a beautiful one about collaboration because at 815, my guest is the band, my favorite band in L.A., Ayaterra, and how these guys continue to grow. Their music is just so beautiful. But it's because Lennon and McCartney, Stockton and Malone, they know how to collaborate in writing their songs like nobody else. And we'll get into it at 8.15. But coming up next, I'll tell you some stories about Lennon and McCartney and John Stockton and Carl Malone. You're listening to the one and only Weekend Warrior Show here on 710 ESPN. Miss an interview or Doc's weekly story? Check it out on the Weekend Warrior Facebook page. Also, Doc's advice to callers on their aches and pains. Just type Weekend Warrior in the Facebook search bar and you'll see Doc's picture in the listings. And thanks for checking out the Weekend Warrior Facebook page. Hey, it's John Ireland. You know there is no better way to start your Saturday than with the man who replaced Michael Thompson's hip. Dr. Clapper and the Weekend Warrior Show, 7 to 9 a.m. Saturday mornings. Don't miss my show, Mason and Ireland, back Monday at 1, all here on 710 ESPN. What's going on, L.A.? This is Kobe Bryant. Well, I've never been so insulted in my life. Start your weekend off right, listening to the Weekend Warrior Show with Dr. Clapper. Well, it's early, yeah. Every Saturday morning from 7 to 9 a.m. on ESPN, 710, home of your Los Angeles Lakers. Welcome back, Weekend Warriors. Can't wait till 8.15 to talk to my guest, the band Ayaterra. Their success just continues to make me so happy. But the collaboration, the music, writing the songs, the different instruments, it's a beautiful thing to behold, but it's not easy. And it made me think all week, knowing I'd have them as guests, Where do you see that successful collaboration in surgery, in art, and in sports? Nobody did collaboration in art better than the Beatles. I particularly love the early Beatles when John Lennon and Paul McCartney sat down across from each other, each with a guitar, bouncing ideas off of each other. They needed each other. But the reason their songs were so powerful is because they were two different types of people. Paul, a happy-go-lucky, beautiful guy, sees the world brightly. John Lennon grew up Pretty much without a mom and a dad. Lived with his aunt. No one wanted him. Bitter. Saw the world differently. And to the music, to the songs, brought a different attitude. But together, they trusted each other. They respected each other and came up with the greatest songs of all time. Here's a lyric from Sergeant Pepper. Paul McCartney saying, life is great. It's getting better all the time. And John Lennon's contribution, it can't get much worse. I admit it's getting better. It's a little better all the time. Yes, I admit it's getting better. How does that collaboration work? How did it start? Listen to Paul McCartney talking about the true meaning of working together on songs. I would say to people that out of, I think it's about 300 songs that John and I wrote together, we never had a dry session. We'd always come in and we never went away from the session going, "Ah, couldn't get it today. We always finished a song, which is pretty remarkable. When John and I, John Lennon and I were getting together, we were kind of showing each other what we'd written and and this was one I, I said to him, well, I got this idea 
And I started off with it, and uh, we finished it together, so it was a very early Lennon McCartney song. Having a collaborator, one thing's great, if you get stuck with, th with something, you can just say, what do you think of this, you know, and you can kick it around together. Beautifully describing that working relationship, trust, respect. My song started, um, she was just 17. She'd never been a beauty queen. And we kind of looked at each other like, I said, I don't really like that line. So we changed it to, she's just 17, you know what I mean, which makes more sense, even though you probably don't know what I mean. So we changed it to that, and they, that uh, started our songwriting partnership. That's what started it all. By the way, we don't know what he means. We do know what he means. Most of it was start from scratch, but sometimes one of us would just have an idea like of the first couple of lines, and then we just sit down and work it. But a lot of it, we just came in and just started talking about what we might want to write about, and, and then we just sit down. There were pretty quick sessions. It was normally like about three hours, and we'd finish something, um, you know, from beginning to end with the chords and the melody and the words. Listen to Eleanor Rigby, but particularly listen to this beautiful song when we get to Father Mackenzie. Why is that the name? Eleanor Rigby picks up the rice in the church where a wedding has been. Lives in a dream, waits at the window, wearing the face that she keeps in a jar by the door. Who is it for? All the lonely people. Do they all come from all the lonely people? Where do they all belong? Father Mackenzie. Ah, why Father Mackenzie? No Listen hear. to Paul McCartney tell us why and how the collaboration with John Lennon saved the day for that song. Father Mackenzie, in the song, I originally had Father McCartney, but when I came to finish it up with John, I brought it to John, and we were playing it around. And I said, uh, I, don't want to, I don't want to call this Father McCartney because it's like my dad. It just is a bit confusing. And he said, no, it's fine. So I said, no, I don't like it. So I said, okay, let's change it. So we got the phone book, and we just went right down to sort of McCartney, 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 and looked for something, Mc something. And the next one was like Mackenzie. I said, that's better. That's exactly how they worked. The yin and the yang. Trust, respect, collaboration, but two different personality types. What about in sports? As Laker fans, we watched the Utah Jazz, John Stockton, Carl Malone. Unlike Shaq and Kobe, who broke up, like ultimately the Beatles, John Stockton and Carl Malone, they never won a ring. They're both in the Hall of Fame. But they collaborated for their entire careers. The respect that their, the league had, that we all had with how they worked together, led them both to end up not only in the Hall of Fame, but to play on the Dream Team. It's John Stockton's humble nature that led to that. But his talent, his ability to look to pass, to look to help and collaborate with the big man made him the best point guard, probably one of the best of all time. Doesn't get enough credit. We were still trying to climb the ladder. We were, we were a team that was threatening, but, but weren't really a team I thought that most people called contenders. And uh, that takes a while. That takes a lot of, a lot of uh, pieces to the puzzle. But we were getting there. We were, we were starting to get there, and, and largely because we rode Carl Malone as much as we could. That, that guy was, was such a talent and such a great team player and a leader but with his work ethic. So uh, we were getting there, but uh, in most senses, we were a lot of ways looking up to guys still. Hmm. We did play against these guys there. I don't want to make it sound like we were, uh, oh, my gosh, that's magic or, or whatever. We, but we were looking up as a team trying to get where they were. Um, you can't play against guys if you're looking up to them and going, oh my goodness. But certainly the Lakers had been great for years. The Celtics had been great for years. We had trouble with Portland. Portland was a fantastic team. Dallas, teams kind of took turns just barely being, being above us in the playoffs. 
Let's go behind the scenes with Carl Malone. What is it for you, Carl Malone, to collaborate with a point guard like John Stockton? We train like we train in the offseason because we know the other one was training. So we always had this little thing going where we train all the time. And uh, he was the kind of guy that if he thought that somebody was out working him, he would go work out harder. So, and like I said, we uh, we became without talking very close, playing and everything. When we were on the court, we didn't talk a lot. We just played and played off each other. Hmm. He played one year before I played, before I got drafted by the Jazz. So it's like we played our whole career together. So to have him, and he was right next door to us. So it was great. It was awesome because it was like. You know, we just spend all season with each other. Now we're going to spend the summer with each other. So it's not like we needed, we learned more about each other because we already knew more about each other. It was just one of those things that was, that was awesome for us. That nonverbal ability to communicate, to collaborate on the court, better known as chemistry. Listen to David Robinson, who played with John Stockton on the Dream Team, talking about what a wonderful experience it was for him. You know, I told him from the beginning, I said, John, if, if there were a point guard I ever wanted to play with, that would have been, it, you, you know, you and I would have been perfect together. And, you know, he was, you know, he just had the right, you know, like Tim Duncan was a perfect fit for me and for our team. And, and I think John is another one of those guys that just, our, our chemistry would have been, you know, very, very strong. It's because John Stockton looked to collaborate. He, he saw these, this dream team as just a bunch of Carl Malones, but that was where he came from. He understood one plus one equals seven. You can't do it yourself. And certainly basketball is a team sport. You can't do it yourself, as the Lakers are now learning. Listen to John Stockton talk about that experience. He is the greatest collaborator, in my opinion, in sports. Probably the first memory is the phone call. Uh, the surprise I had, I, I thought it was a crank call, and uh, the fact that I got asked to be on that team, I think that was one of the biggest honors I ever received. Uh, and, and it took me back for a while. I, I wanted to make sure it wasn't a joke. <laughs> I checked with people with the team. I think that took them back when I when I told Rod Thorne. I said, well, I'd like to do that, sure, but I, I need to check with my team and my family to make sure that they're all willing to commit to it as well. And um, that also helped me make sure it wasn't a joke. It was quite a day. He's so humble. I was in heaven from the moment I stepped on the floor with those guys. Uh, didn't need to run a play. If a guy cut, the corresponding cut that goes with it, everybody read in an instant. Um, everyone could catch. Everyone could finish once they – it was like playing with, with 11 other Carl Malones. And uh, what an experience. Greatest basketball experience just in, 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 a, in a quiet gym that I ever had. That's, uh, I, I don't think it can ever be equal. Wow. You've got shooters. You've got drivers. Uh, they understood the angles as well as I did. Um, some of them probably better. The the angles and, and places you could put a ball and have them be able to catch them and finish it was uh, was unique. Uh, I, I, I don't know how you even describe. You get to play with Clyde Drexler. You get to play with Chris Mullen, Larry Bird, Magic Johnson, David Robinson, Patrick Ewing. I mean, that the, the name Scotty Michael. The names just kind of keep rolling off the tongue, and, and, and it isn't the names that made them great. It's, it's what they were able to do out here, and, and the fact that they could all gel without uh, ego conflicts um, or game conflicts. Everybody just fit. I can't wait to ask Nathan and Nick from Ayaterra what that sounds like to them. When John Stockton talks about the angles, he's talking about how to pass a basketball. But when you sit down to write a song or I sit down with a patient to do surgery, yeah, there are angles. There's chemistry. It's an art form to collaborate. It's a gift of being a human to be able to collaborate, to recognize that one plus one is seven. It's something to be taken seriously, though. Listen to Christian Leitner talking about Oh, my God, I thought we were buddies at Barcelona, the Dream Team Olympics. But after that was over, they didn't even want to talk to me. Because on the court, it's business. Man, it really changed. I'll never forget the first time I went to play against Stockton and Malone. Because they were so cool and, like, family-oriented and, like, really 
everyday normal guy with me on the Olympic team. Then when, when I went to Utah to play against them, boy, they were all business. And uh, they didn't care that we were friendly, you know, a few months back. Because it is all business. It's not easy to write a song, play basketball, do surgery with a patient that you have to collaborate with. It's serious business. It's fun. It makes your life rewarding. But it's serious business, Christian Leitner. I never realized how much it was all business. You know, that was like my third, you know, like maybe two months into my rookie year, we go up to Utah, and I didn't realize how business they were um, until I went there, and, you know, Stockton wouldn't even look at me, really. And Malone would look at me because we were the same position, but Stockton was like, uh-uh, you know, I'm here to kick your team's butt. And <laughs> it doesn't matter that we were that I was really cool to you during the Olympics. And uh, so that taught me a big lesson, you know, that you can be friends and cordial off the court and before the game and after the game, but once he stepped on the court, he wouldn't even look at me. But after the game, he was great. Wow. Coming up next, I cannot wait to learn about the art of collaboration to make beautiful music, just like making beautiful basketball or beautiful surgery. The art of collaboration from the guys on Ayaterra's Forefront Band. You're listening to the one and only Weekend Warrior Show here on 710 ESPN. Confusion overusing, overruling and polluting the earth. Well, we abuse the ancient wisdom given unto every human man and woman from the day of our birth. Holy emoji, clap man. Weekend Warriors on Facebook. Holy slip disc. That's right, Robin. Hear listeners talk about their aches and pains. Holy hamstrings. Along with Doc's clapper vision. Breathe deeply. And advice to callers. On your toes, Robin. So like, follow, and enjoy. A wise decision. The Weekend Warrior Facebook page. Frankly, I can think of nothing more stimulating. This is Keyshawn in the morning. My man, Dr. Clapper, and the Weekend Warrior Show starts your Saturday morning. Join the doc from 7 to 9 a.m. But don't miss my show, Monday morning on 710 ESPN. What's going on, L.A.? This is Kobe Bryant. All right. Start your weekend off right, listening to the Weekend Warrior Show with Dr. Clapper. I have a Beatles wig on. Every Saturday morning from 7 to 9 a.m. on ESPN, 710, home of your Los Angeles Lakers. Beautiful. Welcome back, Weekend Warriors. We're going to now talk to the people who make that beautiful magic. The band, Ayaterra. Nathan, Nick, Luis, thanks so much for getting up early. Reggae stars getting it up at 8.15, man. Either that or you've been up all night already. <laughs> Good morning. Good morning. Thanks so much for doing this. I, I find such inspiration in following you guys truly from the beginning to now where you're at. And I really would love you to weigh in on what you guys hear when, for example, Paul McCartney says this. I would say to people that out of, I think it's about 300 songs that John and I wrote together, we never had a dry session. We'd always come in and we never went away from the session going, couldn't get it today. We always finished a song, which is pretty remarkable. What do you What do you think, Nathan, when you hear that? It's beautiful, man. I mean, that's why. Well, first of all, Clapper, thanks for having us, dude. It's nice to be back. You're right. Is you were my literally pleasure. with us from the very, very, very beginning. It's my pleasure. <laughs> um, so my it, pleasure. Thanks for having us, man. You're very uh, I welcome. think it's it's pretty it's beautiful, man. That's why uh, that's why the Beatles are such a marvelous and powerful band, right? Is because it's it's a rare circumstance where you have four guys together that are all contributing like that, and that's why the Beatles have just built this empire, you know, because their mm-hmm. collaboration was truly on a different level. Hmm. I just love it. Here's one I got for Nick, because I watch you in all these beautiful videos now of how you pluck those strings, playing the bass. I think of angles. 
But I also think of ricocheting the ideas in the room when the two of you sit down to try to put a song together. Tell me, Nick, what do you think when you hear John Stockton say this? You've got shooters, you've got drivers. Uh, they understood the angles as well as I did. Um, some of them probably better. The, the angles and, and places you could put a ball and have them be able to catch them and finish it was, uh, was unique. Uh, I, I don't know how you even describe, you get to play with Clyde Drexler, you get to play with Chris Mullen, Larry Bird, Magic Johnson, David Robinson, Patrick Ewing. I mean, that, the, the name Scotty Michael. The names just kind of keep rolling off the tongue, and, and, and it isn't the names that made them great. It's, it's what they were able to do out here, and, and the fact that they could all gel without uh, ego conflicts um, or game conflicts. Everybody just fit. What do you hear, Nick, when you hear John Stockton use the word angles and even use the word play? What do you hear? He had a lot of good points there, uh, Mr. Clapper. Uh, the, I think the biggest one for me is is just the angles and, and putting yourself in the position. Like he said, some names like John Stockton. Another one that comes out to me is like Derek Fisher. Is there's like a hat for every head on the court or mm-hmm. in the studio or whatever. And especially playing like bass, I play bass. Bass is is a more it's a supporting role. So like for me, I'm not I'm not the front man. I'm not the front man energy. Like mm-hmm. Nate Nate does that perfectly. He he has that. And, like, I'm there to support him in that, you know? Like, so when I can find that and, and play my role in supporting better, he said, like, you know, I don't even know how that guy put himself in that position because mm. he was there waiting to support. He wasn't there waiting to be like, yo, look at me, because then that guy's going to do that and that guy's going to do that and you're just going to have five string beans standing, you know, independently instead of as a unit. He, they're, they're looking to make those plays happen. They're not looking to always just say, oh, what can I, what can I do for me? You know, you got to ask the other question. Do you feel a collaboration when you're on that stage or when you're behind the scenes writing a song? Take us through what that's like. Do you just take your finger and strum a string? Or does Nate come with a lyric or Luis comes with a lyric? How? Take us through what it's right, like to write a song. You want to take that one, Lou? Luis? He gone. <laughs> he gone. <laughs> he gone. Man, it's always different. Um, we can do this one together. I mean, some a lot of times somebody will write a song at home, bring it to the band. Um, sometimes, like last week, we've been trying to do this more and more too. Like a few of us got together and for the last few weeks now. We've just been writing music together mm-hmm. just in our rooms, just like the old days. Something we've really wanted to talk about that we really want to do is like rent a really nice place out in nature somewhere and just have the band and just go out for like a week and just kind of write and, mm. and just not have any constraints because, you know, you always want to put yourself in a different environment to like get inspired and things as, as time goes on, it gets harder and you got to find new ways. Do you feel the life journey that you have come out in the songs that you write? I mean, who knows better you than you? Do you think that these songs are a reflection of your journey in life? Nate? Oh, absolutely, Clapper. Yeah, for sure. And that's that's kind of the beauty of it is, you know, you look back at the catalog and you, it's almost like a timestamp of where you were at mm. mentally in those times, you know? Mm. I, I just appreciate every artist has to grow. I mean, I'm a sculptor in marble. I parallel what I do as a surgeon through what Michelangelo did, starting out making his anatomy absolutely perfect but even Michelangelo becomes abstract and becomes impressionistic as he goes through the journey as an artist you probably almost don't even recognize right when you hear those early songs you go I can't believe I did that right totally totally really how how has your music become more abstract to you how has it changed if you could put it into words I think to me it's just gotten well, I, I don't know, I'm biased, but I think it's just gotten better. Mm-hmm. I mean, for me, what I strive for with music is, like, I, I try not to make what anybody else wants to hear. I just shoot, go there in the, with the intention of making something that I think I'm going to just genuinely love to listen to. And just, if I, I, I could just sit down and listen to the song, regardless of who made it, and then I enjoy it, then that's how I know it's good. Mm. It's 
when I try to start making songs for external reasons, then they, then they usually don't end up working out that well, you know. I want to play a soundbite of Paul McCartney talking about going to the symphony orchestra. This is, again, him telling you about his evolution, avant-garde music, where he decides to tell this entire orchestra, each of you take your individual instruments, and I don't want anything other than start from the bottom to the top, and then I'm going to mishmash them all together. They like must have thought he was crazy. But it was the producer, George Martin, who had to almost translate to these musicians what this crazy Paul McCartney was talking about. I'm curious to, to hear what you guys think when you hear this soundbite. And I came up with this idea. I said to the orchestra, you should start... All of you, which they're all looking at me puzzled. We've got a real symphony orchestra in London who are used to playing, you know, Beethoven. And here's me, so this crazy guy out of a group. And I'm saying, all you got to do is you, or everyone, start on the lowest note that your instrument could play and work your way up to the highest at your own pace. Just if you want to go... That's fine. So George Martin, the producer, comes to the rescue to actually translate for him. That was too puzzling for them. And they're all looking at me. And orchestras don't like that kind of thing. They like it written down, and they like to know exactly what they're supposed to do. So George Martin, the producer, realized that. He kept the random aspect, but he said to the people, you should be about this note at this point in the song and then you should have got to this note and this note. And he left the random thing. So that's why it sounds like a chaotic, chaotic sort of swirl, you know. So when I asked the two of you, did you ever have a song where you felt the third person needed to come in to kind of translate it for you? Oh, totally, yeah. That's one of the beautiful things about the collaboration, right, is that every pair of ears hears different things. So you could spend all your time working on a song and one or two guys, three guys, and then you bring in that next set of ears, whether it be a, another band member or even, you know, like they're saying, George Martin, you bring in a producer. We were lucky enough to work with a producer named Ian Young on our last record. And there was tons of times where, you know, we have this song written and we're in the studio playing it and jamming it. And he, his ears, you know, he just hears something totally different because he wasn't in the garage with us as we were working on those songs. He's hearing it maybe for the first time and something leaps out of him. And he goes, oh man, bend that note a little bit more there, mm. raise that one up a little bit or slow it down there, you know? And it's like this completely new perspective that uh, can change the song in it's, a really unique yeah. way. A lot of magic can happen at that point too. Like, I feel like this album was really good. Like we knew, we knew our parts. So I feel like you allow for more magic to come out when you just come in prepared like that and Nate, have a good producer. Nate, what is it like to have Nick knowing that he's got your back, that he's looking to make you comfortable. <laughs> Isn't that a beautiful thing? Uh, he's the best, man. I mean, he really does uh, embody that role fully as like, you know, like there's there's plenty of times when that bass gets to shine, you know what I mean? But by nature, drums, bass, certain instruments are more supportive roles. And it's truly like such a beautiful thing when someone's comfortable in that position to be able to just like step into that fully because, you know, you can't you can't have a great team without everyone doing their role, you know, regardless of what it is. It is a skill. As a surgeon, I need to empower everyone in the operating room. I can't take the x-ray. I can't hold the retractors while I'm doing the surgery. But I get all the credit because I'm the surgeon. But the reality is, is I cannot do it alone. And it's my job to make everyone in that room feel good and feel like they're doing their part. And that is a special skill that you need, uh, whether it's surgery, sports, or it's in making music. Do you feel let me just say nobody does that better than you? Because when you walk into the surgery room, your whole staff is the happiest staff <laughs> I've ever seen. <laughs> well, I try to bring that to everything that I do, and thank you for saying that, and thank you for noticing it. But the reason I'm almost enjoying having you guys now on for it's got to be either the third or the fourth time in these last 11 years that I've been doing this radio show is today I feel like it's my job to be the coach almost for Ayaterra to to make you guys appreciate how special what you have is to stay collaborating and not let things come apart like Shaq and Kobe like like John Stockton and Carmelo 
where they can appreciate that one plus one is seven. And that has to come from you, Nick, realizing how much you have to be there for Nate. And Nate has to realize, which he clearly does, how he can't do it alone. It's just, that's almost, I feel like I'm doing a coaching job today. Mm. That's very true, man. It's very, very true. It, it's a delicate balance, you know, but when everything comes together, that's the beauty of collaboration and the beauty of teamwork is if everyone's aligned for that common common good and common goal, you know, then that's that's truly where the magic happens. So tell me what's up with you guys. What's next for you? You going back into the studio how has COVID impacted having a band as popular as yours moving around? Tell us what it's been like to be Ayaterra. You want to take this one, Fork? Sure, yeah. Um, we just caught off a 10-week tour with a, uh, bands 311 and Iration. That was uh, really fun. It was nice to be out. There were a lot of COVID rules that made it a little tricky. But mm-hmm. you know what? I'm just so grateful we finished because I, I was watching so many bands go out and probably nine out of ten bands would not finish their tour. You know, mm-hmm. halfway you'd hear somebody got COVID, and everybody at that point would have to go home or something. So mm-hmm. I'm just grateful we finished and taking some time now just to be at home with our families. And I know we're all writing a lot of music and stuff. We have some good music. But we're really excited for our headline tour. We're doing our first headliner tour in uh, the springtime. Wow. The first one in over two years wow. for our new CD. That's great. Um, it should be in March and April. Well, I sent a spy to the uh, Irvine uh, the- Amphitheater, uh, Jared Abrams, oh, yeah. and he, he just told me. he came back telling me these guys are just beautifully gelling, like you say, Nate, like the the evolution of you're not even recognizable, even though you are from the past, and just the way that you guys are evolving is just beautiful. How's it for you, Nate? How are you in the songwriting and in the studio? Are you getting inspired? I mean, everything happens for a reason. The fact that COVID came along almost forcing you to stop, has that been something creatively that has helped you? Yeah, absolutely, you know, and it was it was a long break, the whole COVID thing, so there was definitely waves of inspiration and waves of relief, but uh, overall, I mean, we put together this record and feel that we were able to put it out at the right time and, and thankfully get out on the road and play play again after releasing it. So that was really great because there was a lot of bands that weren't able to do that, you know. Mm-hmm. But um, I don't know. I just I really think it's it's uh, everybody's everybody's doing good and everybody's working on what they need to be working on. And I, I thought of this analogy as you were talking a little bit earlier, your question. I, I almost think, you know, there's there's two and it, it comes down to like what he was saying, where it's people were like it was all business once you get on there's almost two forms of collaboration i mean there's the in the studio where it's a little bit more mental and mm-hmm. then there's on stage where it's like all spiritual you know because it, mm-hmm. and i, I kind of like analyze it as like the sports thing because right you could be practicing at your house by yourself shooting hoops just practicing your three-pointer or whatever but then when you and then even at practice, you know, when it's not a live game, but then you get on you get on the court for the live game and you're just operating off of instinct. And that's where like this really this boom of of collaboration comes together because you, everybody's just taking what they did by themselves and it comes together to form, you know, that perfect game. Hmm. There's some some shows we walk off the stage and we're all looking at each other on stage and Tanner's doing something with his I have 16 notes. And everybody's doing stuff we'd never done. And we're like, who is this band? I've wow. never heard these guys before. <laughs> before I let That's you go. That's the magic, you know? Yeah, that is the magic. Before I let you go, I want to take advantage of having these two beautiful, talented guys that I respect so much in music on the, on the line. I want to pick your brain. Why do I and everyone else love the Beatles? So listen... <laughs> to eight days a week. And I want you to tell me what it is that they're doing from your perspective that makes it so special. Here we go. Eight days a week, first of all, there's seven days in a week. 
the pace of the song, how the what is it? I'll go first with you, Nate, and then Nicholas. What what is it that hits you with that song? I think it's just it's hard to quantify into words, man. The Beatles were so ahead of their time and they're so innovative and just powerful, powerful songwriting force, you know, that we're just coming up with this new stuff that hadn't been heard before. And I mm-hmm. think it's not really quantifiable to words, but if I had to take a stab at it, I would say you don't get that kind of sound and you don't get that kind of band without four extremely talented people. I mean, everybody in the Beatles was a writer, a player, a singer, like everybody was killer, you know? And mm-hmm. so that's what just culminates into having a freak the world's first super band you know what correct. i mean correct correct nick yeah and another band like that that you reminded me of is queen there's not many bands that just every person is just so incredibly talented and and there's a lot the, the beatles music some of it's so complex but i'm like reminded a lot lately of just how much sophistication there is in in simplicity yeah just their their totally. chords they have so many good just four chord chord progressions and you can hear them in most pop music now if you go on the radio i mean most of the chord progressions and the beatles probably used those the first time or got them from some blues songs or something and there's you listen and you hear all those chords are on ed sheeran songs you know there there's this yep. magic formula they had hmm. and and they really all all felt it you you, you can feel it's it it's almost uh it's almost like shakespeare when they say that like yeah. most stories can be related back to a shakespeare mm-hmm. uh writing yes. you know like exactly. all all amazing stories deal with you know a handful of common themes and music is yes. incredibly similar to that too especially pop music because you can hear a modern song that is using the same chord progression as an old song and it's something about those chords together they just pull at the heartstrings of humans you know you guys are special, special to me, special to the Weekend Warrior Nation. They've watched you, we've listened to you, and the future is bright. And I can't thank you enough for coming on this morning, and we'll keep listening. Thanks so much, guys. Oh, I really appreciate so much it. For thank you so much, guys. Clapper. All right, you my are, pleasure. Man. God bless you guys. Have a great day. God Warriors, bless. you're now listening to two of the smartest minds and most talented musicians in L.A., Coming up next, I'll take your calls. The number is 877-710-ESPN. That was the great Ayaterra. Miss an interview or Doc's weekly story? Check it out on the Weekend Warrior Facebook page. Also, Doc's advice to callers on their aches and pains. Just type Weekend Warrior in the Facebook search bar, and you'll see Doc's picture in the listings. And thanks for checking out the Weekend Warrior Facebook page. Sedano, you know there's no better way to start your Saturday than when my guy, Dr. Clapper, and the Weekend Warrior Show, 7 to 9 a.m., Saturday mornings. What's going on, L.A.? This is Kobe Bryant. Can you tell me the price of this bed? $8,000. Why, that's preposterous. I can get the same bed anywhere in town for $25. Start your weekend off right, listening to the Weekend Warrior Show with Dr. Clapper. Yes, but not with me in it. Every Saturday morning from 7 to 9 a.m. on ESPN, 710, home of your Los Angeles Lakers. I know it's a long, long road, but we're ready to go. I found beauty in the balance in between all the highs and the lows. So as long as I can sing my song, then I'm ready to go. Welcome back, Weekend Warriors. That's Ayaterra. Just special. What a treat to follow their career from the beginning as they continue to break new ground. All right, the lines are lit up. The number is 877-710-ESPN. Let's go to Jacqueline. Jacqueline, you're on with Dr. Clapper. How can I help? Hi, Dr. Clapper. I'm so excited to speak with you. Oh, my pleasure. Uh, my I- brother is a huge fan and listens to your radio show every day, and you helped him <laughs> many years ago, and he highly recommended that I speak with you. Okay. How young um, are you? What do you do for a living? I am a teacher. I teach third grade. Oh, I wow. live in the Bay Area, and wow. I teach in San Francisco. Wow. I'm 55. Wow. Where did and you grow up? What did your dad do for a living? He was a principal. Mom was a teacher. My brother's a teacher, sister teacher, aunt was a teacher. I mean, <laughs> on and on. Kind of runs in the family, you know, like doctors, right? The greatest thing you can do with your life. 
Number one, usually I tell patients after I help them, listen, now you go find a total stranger, do something nice for them, but guess what? When you call this show and you're a teacher, you don't have to. You you walk the walk, you talk the talk. Every day of your life, you're doing something special for other people. So God bless you, and it's a true honor to be able to help you in whatever way I can. My mom was a nurse. I think number two oh. in the list of greatest things you can do with your life is doctors. Yeah. I'm a doctor. That Okay, maybe it's three or four or five, but... <laughs> Number one is teaching. Number two is nursing. So go ahead, young lady. Tell me how I can help you. Thank you so much. And, and I appreciate your, your enthusiasm and, <laughs> and mutual respect. Thank you. You're welcome. Um, so I think I said I'm, I'm 55. Mm-hmm. And almost two and a half years ago, I was walking through a parking lot with my son. And I was struck by a car Oy. in the parking lot. The car... Uh, hit me, I catapulted over the back end of the car and crashed onto the pavement. Oy. And yeah, um, fractured many bones, had just a tremendous amount of damage, but the impact was on my left foot and ankle. Mm-hmm. Now, since then, it's just been a battery of different doctors and different things that I've had treatment mm. to try and remedy this, and I am still in pain with every single step I take. Mm. I've seen the orthopedist. I've seen a pain management specialist, mm-hmm. um, a podiatrist. I've, had, I've been treated for orthotics. Uh, I had, um, what is it called, a nerve conduction study and cortisone in my leg because there was deep perennial nerve damage, lots of fractures, as I said, uh, edemas, inflammation, strain and tearing of the ligaments and the joints. Did you have surgery? You have plates and screws for the fractures or they treated you in a boot? I was treated in a boot. I was in the boot for... Oh, I don't even know how long. And then I, I went to, um, it's called an iWalk 2.0. It's basically like a peg leg that attaches to the lower portion of your leg, like like a shelf. Mm. And you kind of hobble along. Mm. I've um, done water exercise therapy, doing walking on the sand at the beach. I've had an, uh, seen an acupuncturist, physical therapy. I mean, so much, and I'm still in so much pain. I just had a MRI, and um, I'm not even sure what these things mean. You have it in front of you? Do you have the report in front of you? I do, yeah. All right, so let's go to the report. You don't have to read the mumbo-jumbo of the findings. Go to the word impression and read slowly so I can interrupt you with something called clapper vision, which is me. I'll paint some pictures with some words for you. Okay, so the impressions say <clears throat> healing commuted, com, com, sorry, I can't even say it. Commuted, commuted, commuted which means lots of pieces. <laughs> yes, fracture of the calcaneal head Oy. and body with moderate bone marrow edema and subchondral cystic change Okay, and intra-articular extension into the calcaneal and calcaneal cuboid joints. Okay. All right. So let's stop there. The The heel bone, the heel bone is called the calcaneus. The bone sitting up above the calcaneus that makes up your ankle joint is the talus. That's the, that's the North. So if, uh, if the heel bone is the United States of America, Canada is the talus bone. Okay. Pretend there is no, the oh, I should not say pretend, but the Atlantic Ocean, if you're America, Canada is the talus, the calcaneus is America, the Achilles tendon is the Atlantic Ocean. The Pacific Ocean, right, is the calcaneo-navicular joint, the calcaneo-cuboid joint. So what you did was you created a volcano in America. And I mean Wisconsin, Arizona, Philadelphia. Basically, instead of being a continent, you now have rips and gullies and uh, like a volcano cracked the United States of America. Now, the interesting thing about 
fracturing or breaking a bone is if you break your forearm or you break your shin bone, as an orthopedic surgeon, I only have to worry about two things. One, will it heal? And will it heal in the correct position? We call it the anatomic position. Perfect, the way it was before the break. But when you break a bone, like you've done, where the fracture, the cracks in the bone enter, that's where the word intraarticular enters the joint, then you have to worry about something else, which has happened to you, by the way, which is arthritis. Every step you take, we take a million steps a year as human beings, your heel bone is making contact with the floor. And as the talus, Canada and America are trying to move a little bit, or as the Pacific Ocean and the California coast is trying to move a little bit as you take a step with every heel strike of your gait, that movement isn't smooth anymore. You've busted the cartilage. Subchondral cyst. Sub means below. Chondral means cartilage. Cyst means fluid collection. You are rubbing two, but it's as though you still have a fractured foot two and a half years later. So what do you do for it? Yeah, I love pool exercises. I like to write books about the pool. Yeah, you can do anti-gravity treadmill. But here's the problem. You have to live in a world that has gravity and you have to live in a world that's not in the water. You're not a fish. You're going to have to walk around. So, yes, you can modify your shoe wear. You can get doctors to give you shots to, to numb the pain. None of this is going to work long term. Mm-hmm. It's miserable. The solution, and in cases where I am doing titanium and beautiful reconstructions of people's knees and hips and shoulders, bionically making it artificial. You know, every day I'm in the office seeing patients, I got tamales and chocolate cakes and kimchi, baklava. Every ethnic being in the beautiful melting pot that is Los Angeles that make up the patients I take care of, they bring food because they know I love food. But to say thank you, because when you get rid of someone's pain with every step they take, they don't have, the, the patient doesn't know how to say thank you enough. So, how am I going to get you to say thank you? I got to get rid yeah. of your pain. And it ain't going to be some cockamamie needle. And it isn't going to be, even though I love the water or modifying your shoes. You, yeah. you cannot replace the calcaneus bone. We're not good at doing that. We started okay. to get better at ankle um, replacements. But we're not good at the subtalar joint, which is what's destroyed uh, in your particular situation. But there is an answer for you that will get you okay. to not be in pain anymore. And that, is, and that is to recognize that you don't have a joint between the talus and the calcaneus that's worth anything anymore. You don't have a joint between the calcaneus and the navicular that's worth anything anymore because you exploded your heel bone in that horrific injury. So you're going to need to find someone who is yeah. skilled at creating what is already there permanent, which is a fusion. You're going to have to have a subtail effusion. And you may need a pantail effusion to, based on uh, all the different areas that are fractured with subchondral cysts. But you cannot just go to any orthopedic surgeon. You're going to have right. to go to someone who doesn't do knees like me or doesn't do hips or shoulders uh, like me. You got to go. And God bless podiatrists. I love podiatrists. But this is yeah. something that I... Would, I'd make you come down to Cedars. We have the best foot and ankle orthopedic surgeons in the country. You're going to need mm-hmm. to get on a plane, drive, whatever, yeah. find a right. relative or a friend in L.A., and you're going right. to need to go see someone who is the Kobe Bryant of orthopedic foot and ankle surgery. And we have a few of them down here, so I'm going to give you some names. You ready? You got a oh, pencil? Excellent. Thank you. I do, I do. I Hell do. yeah. That's right, Kobe. First, first is the Grand Poobah, love him, David Thordeson. He's at Cedars. David? Thordeson. Can you spell his name? T-H-O-R-D-A-R-S-O-N. Love him. Tell him you're a weekend warrior. You are right now. You've become a weekend warrior with me. Perfect. Yeah. Go see him. He's kind of the Grand Poobah, and I think I can give you other names as well, but you've been through too much, 
and he's busy like I am. You'll have to call and tell him you're a cousin of mine or something like that. You'll have to make up some kind of, you got to be, don't be such a nice lady from San Francisco. You're going to have to be a New Yorker like me. I'm from Far Rockaway. You know, you know how you get to Far Rockaway, New York? You know how you get there? Jacqueline, no. you make a left at the gunfight. That's how you get to my house, okay? So don't be such a nice lady from San Francisco. You need to call his office, tell him you're my cousin, and that I said you need to come in, make me bake some chocolate chip cookies and bribe everybody in the office. You got to do the right thing. Bring all your okay. studies, and you need to go see him. He needs to basically figure out, can he fuse just some of the subtalar joint? There's 26 bones that make up your foot. Which are the ones uh -huh. that are going to benefit? Because you're clearly going to overload the joints that remain. But he's an expert. He has seen it all. He's old like me, who, you know, I've been doing this for 32 years, 16,000 surgeries. You see it all. You know what to expect. Yeah. You know what's going to happen. And I'll be honest with you. Thank God they didn't do any monkey business in your uh, foot because they probably could would have made you worse. So mm. no more shots. No more yeah. fancy schmancy shoes and whatnot. You need to now get better. And uh, certainly you're going to need a CAT scan. And the new CAT scans we can use can allow us to build your, your calcaneus and what it really looks like as a 3D model. And we can right. look at the 3D model and then figure out before anyone lays a scalpel on your foot of what needs to be done where it needs to be done. But that's what you're going to need. A replacement is not going to help because we just haven't figured out how to do that joint properly yet, bionically. But a fusion will be just fine for you. So that's your next step. Bring all your old studies. You'll call his office. Right. You'll make an appointment. And uh, you're on the road to recovery. I promise you're going to feel so much better. Oh, I sure hope so. Thank you. you Thank will. you so much. I really appreciate that recommendation. And I will reach out to David. Thordeson. Yep. You call right? him and you tell him yeah, you're my cousin and you need to go see him. All right? I love it. Love All right, it. young lady. You're very welcome, and say hi to your brother who I helped, which is uh, really how this all works. One person helping somebody else, that's how the world becomes a better place. Uh, and, and just push it forward. Exactly it forward. right. Exactly right. God bless you, and thanks for calling the show. All right, Warriors, let's talk about next week. Oh, we have to talk about food. The collaboration in food here in Los Angeles. Oh my God. It's one of my favorite places because Howard, who's the son of the man who started this place, has been a guest on this show. My mouth is watering already. I can't even speak because his father was smart enough to buy the land. All these other iconic places in, in the country are disappearing because they got to pay exorbitant rents. But this Howard's dad, Marty, the original Marty, bought the land. So Marty's Hamburger Place is still here in L.A. We can still go there. It's on Pico Boulevard near Rancho Park Golf Course next to the fire station. Why would I be talking about Marty's when I'm talking about collaboration and Ayaterra and Lennon and McCartney and Stockton and Malone? Where is the Lennon and McCartney in L.A. in food? The greatest collaboration that I've ever had. One day, someone showed up at this hamburger stand and said, your burgers are so delicious. Your hot dogs are Vienna hot dogs from Chicago. They ship them in. I can't make up my mind. Should I get a hot dog? Should I get a cheeseburger? Marty... God bless him, said to the man in Rancho Park, why don't you have both? The guy said, at the same time? Yep. So check out the sign that you'll be eating under as you stand eating this scrumptious food in L.A. Because it says, Marty's Hamburgers, home of the combo. Is That's right. It is the most delicious thing that you can put in your mouth as a collaboration, as a combo. Tell them Dr. Clapper sent you. They'll get all excited. Marty's hamburger stand, home of the combo. That's what you'll be getting. And next week, we're going to talk about gutters on your roof with the best gutter company in L.A., Elite Gutters. And I can't wait to talk about the Roman aqueducts. 
And where exactly in sports do you control the flow? I'll explain coming up next week. Until then, I think I leave you with Volari, which means I'm singing and I'm flying. Until next week, I'll see you on the radio. Weekend Warriors on Facebook. Didn't you get the memo? Quickly hear Clapper's crazy kitchen stories. Easily find different callers' aches and pain issues. Right, I get it. Search Weekend Warrior in the search bar and click on Doc's picture. Who are you again? Voila! Like, follow, and enjoy the Weekend Warrior Facebook page. <laughs>